Please turn your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Hosea in chapter 3. If you don't know where Hosea is, there's probably a table of contents in front of your Bibles or your Bible app on your phone or, or device. Hosea chapter 3, and we'll cover the whole chapter, just five verses in chapter 3. This is an ancient story of a man named Hosea, and God tells him, Hosea, go marry a promiscuous woman. She's going to be unfaithful to you. That woman's name is Gomer. And God tells Hosea that this relationship, this marriage relationship, will be a word picture. It's going to be a metaphor of the relationship that God has with those he loves, even in their unfaithfulness. And even though Gomer continues to be unfaithful to Hosea, Hosea's love is relentless and is always faithful to her. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. This is God's word for us today. In our sermon series, we've been presenting a short film every week that it it fictionally depicts Hosea's story in our current culture. And if you've missed any of the parts of our film leading up today, to today, we have a few clips at the beginning of the video to recap the story, beginning with the wedding and quickly heading to betrayal and rebellion. Take a look at this. In the Baseball World Series of 1965, Sweet Lou Johnson was a hero for the Dodgers. He hit a home run in the, in the fourth inning of Game 7. And the Dodgers won that series, and he received a beautiful championship ring soon after. But after Sweet Lou retired from baseball, he was caught in the grip of drug and alcohol abuse. And in 1971, he gave up his World Series ring to drug dealers. He spent the next 30 years trying to get that ring back. The owner of the Dodgers at that time was Bob Graziano, and he was alerted one day that there was a world championship ring, a Dodgers world championship ring on eBay. And so Bob Graziano called his staff, and he bought that ring for $3,457. And Bob Graziano called Sweet Lou and flew him out for a private ceremony 
where he represented Sweet Lou Johnson with his World Series ring. And Lou Johnson said these words. He said, it feels like a piece of me has been reborn. Sweet Lou continues to work in the public relations department of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he counsels those who are struggling with drug and alcohol addiction. It's, it's beautiful when a ring is redeemed, but it's even greater when a life is redeemed. Today we'll talk about redemption and what it means to redeem. We'll talk about God's redeeming love. And redemption, it could be a theological word, and it can be a very practical word, and it's definitely a transactional word. It means simply this. It means simply recovery by payment. That's what redemption's all about. It's recovery by payment. The ring is lost. The ring is found. A price is paid, and the ring is recovered. Now, there's a theological definition, too, to redemption, and it's kind of longer, and it goes like this. It's the restoration of humankind from the bondage of sin to the liberty of the children of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Simply put, Jesus paid a debt he did not owe, and I owed a debt I could not pay. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. The redemptive love of God is powerfully put on display in Hosea chapter 3. And so let's talk about that that today in, in three different parts. It's the redeeming love of God. And number one, the redeeming love of God, number one, knows the cost. The redeeming love of God knows the cost. In Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, Hosea says, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. And so when you read that verse, the first thing that kind of pops out, unfortunately, is the raisin cake part, right? I mean, uh, what is this? A raisin scone? Is it an oatmeal? cookie. I mean, what, what is this? Now, raisin cakes were made and consumed in idolatrous Baal worship in the ancient Middle East. People would eat these raisin cakes because they thought they were aphrodisiacs, and they would eat them to prepare themselves for the worship of cult prostitution. And this is how they worshiped the Baals. It says they turned to other gods and loved the sacred raisin cakes. And in other words, They are deep in the gross immorality of ritual cult orgies and the worship of idols. That's what that's all about. Now, it's possible that these words that we're reading here in chapter 3 came maybe two or three months or maybe even two or three years after we last talked about the tender love of God in chapter 2. It appears that Gomer after returning, has once again abandoned Hosea and the kids again. And we're not sure how many times or with how many she's been with. But God says to Hosea to go. Go seek her out. Hosea, go pursue her again. Even though she's with another lover, Hosea, go after her. And Gomer apparently has been spiraling down. 
a path of sin and unfaithfulness. And we find her here with a man who possesses her like a slave. I, I guess in, in maybe today's world it would be like a pimp and a prostitute. And he's selling her. He's getting rid of her. He's selling her at an auction. The redeeming love of God, number one, it knows the cost. Number two, it pays the price. The redeeming love of God not only knows the cost, number two, it, it, it pays the price. Hosea chapter 3, verse 2. So I bought her. Let's just stop here and let that kind of sink in here. This is his wife who was unfaithful to him, who returned apparently, and then leaves again. He says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. It's most likely that this was a public auction. Gomer was being auctioned as a slave in a public marketplace. Now, historians and scholars tell us that in that day, Slaves, when they were put on the auction block, were stripped naked or virtually naked and put on public display because bidders, they needed to know what they were getting. And so Gomer's up for sale, and the bidding starts. It's not hard to imagine that, it's not hard to imagine that she probably, as she stood on that auction block, stripped naked, that she probably closed her eyes. There's not much she could do to cover her shame. It's like she only, that's the only thing she had left to close her eyes, to not look into the eyes of gawking bitters. Sort of to shield herself for just a moment from her greatest degradation. Hosea goes to the crowd that's surrounding this auctioneer and this auction block of of slaves. And he yells out, I bid five shekels. And someone else yells out, eight. And he says, ten. And suddenly, you can imagine that she recognizes the voice of her husband bidding for her. And, And you can imagine Gomer thinking, what is he doing? After all I've done, after all the other lovers I've been with, after all I've put him and the kids through, what is he doing here? Hosea yells out, 10! Someone says, 12. He says, 15! and 15 and a homer. 15, a bushel and a half of barley, which is equivalent of 30 shekels, which was the average price of a slave. And then the auctioneer says, Sold! And then he would have come up to her and maybe covered her nakedness with his cloak and led her back home. And and Gomer has got to be thinking, why? Why would you bid for me and buy me when all I've been is unfaithful to you? Hosea's marriage to Gomer is our story. We, we want to be boss of our own lives. We, we want to control everything of our life. We're, we're slaves. We're, we're slaves to sin. 
And, and another way to look at our lives is, is that we stand on a slave auction block. We stand there and we're guilty. We stand on a, on a slave auction block and we're regretful. We're ashamed. We're naked and vulnerable. And the satanic auctioneer sneers at us as we stand there. And he points to you and he says, how much for this one? Doesn't give you an identity or name. He doesn't care. The satanic auctioneer says, how much for this one? And from the back of the crowd, Jesus Christ says, I'll take, I'll take Dan. I'll take Susan. I'll take Tim, I'll take Mary, I'll take Leland, I'll take Bob, I'll take Joshua and Maggie. And Jesus says, I bid my body and I bid my blood, my whole life, and no one is willing to pay a higher price. And so the auctioneer has no other choice but to say, sold. First Peter chapter 1 explains it this way. In verse 18 it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from this empty way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The redeeming love of God is... is it's very deep, but it's very simple. You see, he knows the cost, and he pays the price. And the third is this. He commits to restoration and reconciliation. He commits to restoration and reconciliation. In verse 3 in Hosea chapter 3, Then I told her, You are to live with me many days, you must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Here, what we get here is just sort of a glimpse of Hosea restoring and reconciling his relationship with Gomer. And he's bringing her back home, and he's removing all these distractions. He's setting boundaries around her and removing all these distractions. But I, I, I read in verse 3 when he says, you must not be a prostitute or intimate with any other man. And I think, oh, of course. And then he says, and I will behave the same way toward you. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. And I ask, what's Hosea doing here? And, and I think maybe the answer here would be he's restoring an unfaithful spouse. David Kidner, in his commentary on Hosea, an excellent commentary entitled The Message of Hosea, he writes this about verse 3. He writes, There were the disloyal habits, years in the making, that had to be broken. And there were the painful realities in the personal relationships that had to unhurriedly 
be explored together. It's interesting. Could you imagine the difficult conversations and the discussions in reestablishing and reconciling the marriage and, and of the mother-child relationships, the, the, the three kids that were born? And Hosea is committing to Gomer and committing to go the distance and restoring their relationship and reconciling their relationship. Hosea doesn't have any sort of naive, sentimental fantasy of, oh, God will just make everything okay. It's not like that. He's paying a price. In fact, well, he, we already know he's paid a financial price. He's paid an enormous social and cultural price. Could you imagine people knowing what's going on Hosea going to the, the auctioneer and buying his wife back and then bringing her back in the home and the neighbors looking out the windows and the village just sort of gossiping and, and talking. What? You're taking your unfaithful prostitute wife back? What? You bought her? And most of all, I think he's paying an emotional price and I think we sort of feel that. He is doing the deep emotional work of restoring a marriage. He's thinking, I've been hurt. You have left me. You've left the kids. You've been with others. And we can't pretend that nothing has happened here. But I'm going to pay a price so that eventually I will be yours and you will be mine again. <clears throat> And even though, even though we don't know by the text the details of the end of their story, this great metaphor of God's relationship with his unfaithful people, that in the latter days we read, Israel will be reconciled and be restored in their relationship with God. In verse 5, Hosea the prophet now speaks. He speaks of Israel and Ephraim and in the northern kingdom and that one day that they will seek God in David. But, and then I read David, but if you know the timeline, David, King David's already dead, long dead. So why would he even mention David? But it would be one from the line of David. This is a messianic prophetic statement about Jesus Christ, a foreshadowing, a, a prophecy of one day Jesus Christ, Messiah, coming back. Yesterday was Armed Forces Day. If you were in the South Bay, you must have heard the planes fly over. Maybe you were at the parade and, and you saw the displays at the, um, at the mall. Memorial Day is, is next weekend. Memorial Weekend is next weekend. And, and um, I read a story of a man named Tom Allen, who was, an, uh, who was a retired Army Ranger. And the story was about... Tom Allen watching the movie Saving Private Ryan for the very first time. He, he says how proud he was watching the Army Rangers on D-Day storming Omaha Beach in that movie, Saving Private Ryan. In the movie, these Rangers got orders to go and find Private Ryan because four of his brothers were killed in battle and the generals wanted him to return home to his mother who had already greatly suffered the loss of her sons. 
And the Ranger platoon is led by Captain Miller, played by Tom Hanks. And they went deep in enemy-controlled territory and laid down their lives to, to spare Sergeant uh, uh, Private Ryan's life. And they finally find him behind enemy lines, and, but he wouldn't go with them, if you remember the movie, the story. He wouldn't go with them because his unit had a big battle coming up, and he wouldn't desert his unit. And so the rangers who came to rescue him um, said, okay, we'll stay and, and, we'll, and we'll fight with you. And there's this incredible climax to the movie, a, a, a big battle scene. It seems like almost everyone in this big battle scene, everyone has, has been killed. And Captain Miller, he, he lays there wounded in his line there dying. And Private Ryan comes to him and attends to him. And Captain Miller pulls Private Ryan close in to him. He's barely able to whisper just his last words. And he pulls him in close, and Captain Miller whispers to Private Ryan. He says, earn this. He says it again to him. He says, earn this. And retired Army Ranger Tom Allen says, I love that movie until that point. When Captain Miller whispers those words in Private Ryan's ear, he says, that made me really mad. You see, that reason it made me really angry, he says, is that no ranger would ever say that. The Army Ranger motto for the last 200 years is the Latin phrase, sua sponte, which means of their own accord, or I chose this. So if Tom Hanks, he says, was really a ranger, he would have said, sua sponte, I chose this of my own accord. This is free to you. You don't have to pay anything for this. I give up my life for you. This is my motto. This is my job. I do this on my own accord. I chose this. And when you think of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, he doesn't say to any of us, earn this. But Jesus says, I chose this. I chose this for you. And so for us today, we ask ourselves, how do I apply Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 in my life? And I think there's just one point of application for each and every one of us today. To refuse to think of your salvation and your relationship with God as something you must earn. Of something that you must be good enough for. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, it says, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. It, it's true. It's, you, human beings are enslaved to sin, but Jesus, he paid the ultimate price at the cost of the sacrifice on the cross to buy you back. For you, you put your trust in Jesus. He went to the cross. 
he paid the price. Sua sponte, on his own accord. He knew the price, he paid the price, and he's reconciling and restoring our relationship with God. And that is redeeming love. Amen?